0: okay so this morning we're doing something a little bit different um, first of all here I am I'm Raina Barker um, our Minister of Spiritual Formation for those of you who um, don't know and this morning we are going to do a whole lot of preaching to ourselves and we're going to be able to do that because the Holy Spirit lives inside of us and so each and every one of us has that ability to preach to ourselves to speak truth to one another and so that's what we're going to do this morning I also would like to encourage you to use what I like to call a holy imagination we're going to be talking about making disciples this morning and I know that a lot of times when we talk about making disciples we get a little bit nervous we start thinking but what if I'm rejected or What if it's awkward? Or what if I don't know enough? What if I say the wrong thing? And our imaginations go to those negative what ifs. I'd like you to think about putting a different hat on in the way you're thinking this morning. Use a holy imagination to say, what if I shared Jesus with somebody and they finally got it? What if I shared the love of Christ through blessing someone and they were like, huh? Maybe that's what it means to be a Jesus follower. Start thinking and talking to yourself in the what-ifs in the positive ways instead of the what-ifs in the negative ways. And we're going to really dream this morning, using our imaginations to see if we lived out our identities as sons and daughters of God, how that would impact this world. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and ask that you will, through your spirit inside of us, help us to have eyes to see and ears to hear how we can interact with the world in such a way that your love is known and proclaimed and shown to everyone around us. Empower us, give us strength, help us to imagine all the beautiful, amazing ways that your spirit is at work in this world and help us to walk into that very place. In the name of Jesus, amen. Sorry. So, who knows what our mission statement here at First Christian Church is? Anyone? Good guess, but no. (laughs) (laughs) It's unity. And with all
1: things charity
0: you know, that. that's something we say often but not exactly is that what you were gonna to say to Margie I failed. you have not failed I'm sorry my hair keeps tickling me in the night I yeah Kirk has that problem too exactly anyone it's it's a lot shorter let me just tell you it's glorify God and make disciples something short and sweet Glorify God and make disciples. And as I've been thinking about that, I was like, well, glorify God is a very broad, broad statement. There's a lot of different ways we can glorify God. By having unity in the essentials and charity in the non-essentials and loving everything. That's what you all were getting at. That's part of glorifying God. And I was thinking about it, that we glorify God and we make disciples first and foremost because we are disciples. By being disciples, we glorify God, and then we make disciples. We are disciples that are sent by God to make disciples, and when we fulfill that mission, we glorify God. The thing is, you can't be a Christian without being a disciple. And it's kind of funny, if you look, not really funny, that's not the right word, but we are disciples of Christ according to denomination. But disciple is not just a denominational word. The word disciple means a Christ follower, a learner of Jesus Christ. And so no matter what church we're part of, no matter what denomination we're part of, everybody who puts their faith and trust in Jesus is a disciple. And so we're all sitting under the feet of Rabbi Jesus. We're all sitting under his teaching. We're all learning from him. When we sit under his teaching and his character for very long, when we submit our lives to him, we automatically, naturally start making disciples in our relationships. A lot of what I'm going to share with you today was inspired by what is called the Everyday Disciple Podcast. So. Just know that I have none of my own material. It's all coming from different sources and whatnot, but just wanted to throw that out there. The Everyday Disciple podcast is something that all of us could learn from as well, so if you want to jot that down, that's great. But what I want to talk about is starting off today, our identity, our identity when we become baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and what that might look like. It's based on Matthew 28 verse 19 and this is going to be our text today and this is something that Mike preached from just two weeks ago when we were outside before Matthew 28 19 says go go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and we're going to stop right there that's our one Bible verse that we're actually going to speak out loud today and I think oftentimes we hone in on the make disciples of all nations and we forget that every single encounter that we have in each of our lives is an opportunity to make disciples. Being a disciple of Jesus means finding our identity in him. This is what it means to be baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Our identity is grounded in the very nature of who God is. Whoever's name you bear is whose family you're part of. So when I got married to Kevin Barker, my name changed from Raina Rush to Raina Barker, and I took on some of his identity, for better or worse. Same with Amber. She got Mike Berry's identity by taking his name. And so when we take the name, (laughs) exactly, when we take the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we are identifying ourselves with Him. Our identity becomes associated with Him. And so if we split this up and think about it, having the identity in the name of the Father means that we are sons and daughters, that we are part of the family of God, that the person sitting next to you right now is your brother or sister. Before we do anything at all for the sake of Christ, we already are sons and daughters of God. We are already brothers and sisters of one another and of Jesus Christ. We are first and foremost part of the family of God because of whose name we bear. The church, us sitting right here right now, is part of the family of God. The church is not that building behind us. The church is not a program you come to. The church is the children of God, and that's what we are. There's also other people who are children of God. All humanity bears the image of God. And so we have redeemed sons and daughters of God. We have redeemed brothers and sisters. And then we have the unredeemed who are far away from God. But what the redeemed family of God can point to is that we have a good, good father. And we, those unredeemed brothers and sisters out there, they just need to see how good our father is and how good it is to be part of this family of God. We want to be those kind of disciples, those kind of disciples who point people to the goodness of their father. John 17:21 Oop, here's another Bible verse. I said we were only going to do one, and here's another one. John 17:21 says, "Jesus prays, May they also be in us so the world believe you have sent me." We want other people to believe that God sent His Son Jesus Christ through the way we act as children of God." And that involves making disciples. So here's where you put on the holy imagination hat. Imagine what it would be like if we really viewed ourselves as the family of God, the brothers and sisters sitting next to one another right now. Not a sort of like a family, but really truly like a family. What are the implications of living as a family? How do you get to live with your family? What do families do together? And this is where I'm going to ask you to be interactive. I want you all to respond to me today. We're doing things different here. So, what do families do together? together. They eat together. Good. We're good at that, aren't we? We eat together. What else? Yell because I can't hear anything. Pray together. Is that what you said? Play? Play. Play together. Yes, that's on my list too. Thank you. And we pray. That's my replay and we pray. What else? What do families do together? Talk. Say it again. Talk. Talk. Families talk to one another. Very good. What else? I heard something. Cry. 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 They cry together. Isn't that true? We hold each other's broken hearts, and we cause each other tears, and we work through it. Yeah. Laugh. Families laugh together. Absolutely. Work together. All those projects around the house. Absolutely. And more. What else do we do together? What if um, Brian here has a project at his house that's overwhelming for just him and his wife? What does he do? Calls in more people of the family, right? We serve together, we serve one another, and we serve outsiders. Absolutely. So think about that. The more and more we interact together as the family of God, the more and more we're carrying out our identity as sons and daughters of Christ, of God. Now, we also know that God sent both his son Jesus and God sent the Holy Spirit after Jesus was raised again. And so I want us to think about our identity as sent ones. God sent Jesus to be our Savior through his death on the cross. God also sent Jesus as a servant. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. And so our identity as we are baptized in the name of the Son is as servants. We get to show people what he's like and therefore point people to him by the way we serve them. So what are some character traits of Jesus that really display his servanthood? Passion, Passion, I think. Compassion. Compassion. Good. Yes, thank you. What? Humility. Thank you. Humility, exactly. This is so bad. I'm sorry I can't hear you guys. (laughs)
1: Forgiveness, Forgiveness,
0: yes How we forgive those that wrong us Is a huge component of displaying Christ's character to the world See what else I have Healing, Healing. thank you, that's great She can be my ears, (laughs) healing, good Selflessness, I also like how Jesus didn't really beat around the bush much He kind of was a straight talker and um, said it like it is, with utmost compassion and finding that perfect balance. Um, That really strikes me as I study the life of Christ. And also, we're getting ready to move into studying the book of John, which is exciting because we're actually going to get expository preaching again, which we're all looking forward to, um, those who are preaching and those who are listening to the preaching. And so, look forward to that, but as we're going through the book of John, we are going to be looking at how Jesus is making disciples and how Jesus is encountering all of those around him. So keep that in mind as we go into John. And then our third component as having our identity in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit was sent as a comforter. The Holy Spirit was sent as our teacher. The Holy Spirit was sent as the one who convicts us of our sin. And so we, when we are believers of Jesus, we're filled, we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to also have our identity as sent ones. We are sent into the world, frankly, as missionaries. We, to be a missionary is to be a sent one. And so a huge part of our identity is that we are sent by God into this world. And so we can remember that when we are at the grocery store or when we're at the gym or when we're talking on the phone, Every single opportunity is is an opportunity to be sent into the world, taking Jesus' identity and proclaiming him in however you interact, whatever you say, whatever you do. So, put your imagination hats on for me again. And imagine if you lived with the expectation that God has sent you. Each and every time you walk out of your house, every single time you go. Let's go back to that phrase from Matthew 28, 19, go. Even if we just take those two letters and go, every time you go, what is it like to imagine that you're sent by God? And this is not imagination at this point. This is true. We are sent by God. I'm going to start putting people on the spot here so if you give me deer in the headlight looks and go like this that means that we should stay away from you but um, mike might be coming around with a microphone here Um, one of the in in my encounters are all because in different ways i've interacted with several of you not all of you so i want you to encourage one another to talk as well but mike go that way thank you so One of the most obvious examples to me that I have witnessed over the years started when, keep going, um, Corbin was in kindergarten. And there was this couple that was always picking their kiddo up from school who were so incredibly friendly. Keep going. And that happens to be um, Jamin and Leslie Johnson over there. Yeah. So give me, if you guys don't feel comfortable with being put on the spot, then. um, But just can you guys please describe to me what you do when you pick Britain up from kindergarten? Uh, We would talk to the people we were standing by. Yes, exactly, that's it. They would talk to the people they were standing by. And that impacted me so strongly because they were just friendly enough to talk. Whereas my inclination was to sit in my car and read a book while I waited on my kindergartner. And so even just that little step of getting out of your car and talking to the person sitting next to you is an opportunity to build relationships, is an opportunity for you to carry out your identity as a sent one. What happens when you go to the same places over and over? Whether that's the same gas station, and you interact with the same person getting your big old fat soda. Does anyone do that at gas stations and have a relationship with your gas station attendant? Anyone? You guys are laughing at me. (laughs) How about a a restaurant? Do you frequent a restaurant or a coffee shop? Or do you have a relationship with a server that you recognize all the time? I see some heads nodding over there, exactly. Has anyone ever heard of um, gospel tipping? You know what I mean when I say gospel tipping? When you tip someone who has served you at a restaurant, over and above the amount, say you leave a $20 tip for a $20 meal, what does that proclaim to them about Jesus if they get to know you and know it's because of Jesus? It it describes how God extends his grace to us when we don't even deserve it. Especially, let's say someone serves us really poorly. They're a really awful waiter, really awful but you leave them a $20 tip, what is that going to demonstrate to them? Kindness kindness, and graciousness. Like, you don't deserve this $20, but I'm giving it to you. And it's those kind of behaviors over time that start demonstrating Jesus to the world. And that's you carrying out your identity as a follower of Christ. leave it for now (laughs) so I'd like to ask you what changes if you truly believe your identity as a child of God that you bear his image everywhere you go that you are surrounded by both redeemed and unredeemed brothers and sisters who are also image bearers what does that change for you just think on that a little bit and then think about this too What changes in your relationships if you view others in light of their identity as image bearers? Perhaps we stop looking at people as a product of their faults or their accomplishments. Maybe we stop seeing people just for their past behavior, whether that's good or bad. And instead, if we see them as image bearers of God, could that inform even the simple ways we greet them? Maybe instead of walking by someone and ignoring them, if they're really a son or daughter of God, which everybody is, maybe we say hi. Maybe we smile. Maybe you already do that naturally, but not all of us do that. So imagine how that would impact your relationships if you're constantly attuned to carrying out your identity as a follower of Christ. So all that said, being a disciple is not something primarily that we do It's something that we already are. When we are baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we automatically are disciples. We automatically are image bearers of our Father who created us as a family, as sent ones. We are sent as missionaries to serve and invite others into the family, which is glorifying God and making disciples when we live in a way that reflects our belief in this identity in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we develop a rhythm or habits that carry out this identity and each rhythm usually falls into one of three categories. First we think about up. I think about the patterns and habits I've developed to um, help me connect with the Father, that help me connect with God. And we talk about these habits a lot. We talk about being grounded in the Word of God. We talk about praying we talk about uh, being part of the family of God and fellowshipping with other people. Actually, the fellowship with other people isn't part of up, that's part of in. That's the next step. I'm getting ahead of myself here. What do you do that helps you connect with God? What habits or rhythms do you have? Bible study. What else? What rhythms do you have to help you connect with God? Prayer. Prayer. Anything else? How about listening? Listening is a key part. What would you say, Terry? Solitude. 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 Solitude, absolutely. All of those things count as up behaviors. And then we have what I like to call in rhythms, or in-habits, and those in-habits are ones where we're hanging out with our redeemed brothers and sisters, where we are worshiping together this morning. This is part of up and in, because we're in tune with God and we're also communing with each other. When we go to lunch with a fellow believer, when we bless a fellow believer, when we play games together, when we go hunting or hiking or fishing with fellow believers, Those are in habits, or in rhythms. Then there's out. Out are the ways we're connecting with unredeemed brothers and sisters. Those not yet believers. We see even Jesus having those habits with people throughout the world that were not yet following him, but he was talking to them. He was encountering them on the roadside. He was eating with them. And so if we think of those three things, up, in, and out, most everything we do falls into one of those categories and what I've noticed is that I tend to sit in one or two of those rhythms and not necessarily carry out a third rhythm and it depends on the season but um, I, I tend to sit either in my up rhythms with the Lord in solitude Um, Doing things and facilitating, like reading the book in the car instead of getting out and talking to other parents is an example of how I tend to be more upward-focused than outward-focused. And it's a lot easier for me to be engaged in relationship with the people who are like-minded with me, those friends that share my faith in Christ. And so it's really easy for me to schedule lunch dates over and over with the people that I trust and that I'm really connected with on that deep spiritual level and I neglect the out. The thing about that is that we are unformed disciples of Christ when we neglect one or two of the three primary areas. To be a fully formed disciple, to truly carry out the mission of God, we have to have habits and rhythms that are upward, that are inward, and that are outward. All three components are just as important as the others. Although I have noticed the up habits tend to overflow into the in and out habits. When we're disconnected from the Lord, who cares about my unredeemed brothers and sisters? It's because of my relationship with him and recognition of all he has done for me that I'm motivated to serve and to interact with people. So let's not forget that either. So there's a few rhythms that I want to pinpoint in particular, but um, the first one is what we're co- gonna call learn Christ our, our rhythms of learning Christ I would ask you how well do you know the story of God and then how well do you know how to tell your story in light of the story of God and the book of John is the perfect place for us to go so we can really dig into the story of God and then secondarily how well do you know the stories of those you're in relationship with knowing those encounters and Things that Jesus did in his life empower us and give us ideas for um, our own encounters with our out-and-in habits. A second rhythm is listen. Something that we don't tend to do very well is when we are in our upward habits, we don't tend to just sit and listen for the voice of God as well as we talk our heads off. To the Lord and I would guess that some of you are much better at this than others of us but I would also say when when we pray who does most of the talking usually it's us we come to him with a list and we get our prayers done and then we're moving on and um, sometimes I wonder perhaps if God just wants to say wait wait I, I, I love you I love you but you're you're gone and and so I just I challenge you to sit with the Lord for ten minutes just sit and don't have any words to say just sit I sometimes like to envision him um, with me on a walk or with me sitting at a coffee shop whatever that might look like and and having some of those spaces where I would normally be listening to another person as I walk or as I drink my coffee or as I have a meal but that I'm doing that with Jesus instead so listen to him and listen to others listen for other stories we're in relationship with people for a reason and so think about people's stories both of those rhythms to me play into other rhythms rhythm number three is celebrate how often do we celebrate something birthdays straight days at school what else do we celebrate yell out again and help me here anniversaries new jobs. new jobs anything else
2: Cowboys,
0: new babies the when the Cowboys win <laughs> yes yes. The <laughs> or the, the cowgirls, cowgirls. cowgirls indeed indeed and, and so like we celebrate and we party and we get together we tailgate we we camp we do all sorts of things that are celebrating things and so um, it's not necessarily, disciple making is not necessarily adding something extra to your life. It's inviting others to join you in what you're already doing. The church, my friends, has more to celebrate than anyone, don't we? We have Jesus Christ to celebrate, the way he loves us, the way he forgives us, all that he has done for us. And so how can you be inviting people into your celebrations who has a story of celebrating and inviting others to see jesus as you're celebrating or to develop relationships with them as you're celebrating anybody have a story they can share with us jack does he's coming with you or to you with the microphone
2: Yeah, I invited my very good friend, Kenny. Hi,
0: Kenny. To come and see how special everybody was here. Awesome. Anybody else have a celebration story?
2: Yes, we have special friends from Casper that we have met years ago, square dancing, and come to find out, we got married on the first. And why did you get married on a Thursday? She says we don't know, but she says we got married Friday the second. We are both celebrating our 60th. We're going to Casper to be with them for our 60th and enjoy them.
0: Awesome. It's a great example. <laughs> yes. So invite people to join you in your celebrations. Rhythm number four. This is something that everyone's going to resonate with, because this was the first thing off of your mouth. Eat. We all eat. <laughs> Don't we? And we're so good at it. So we have 21 built-in times a week to express love, to express gratitude, to be with people over food family dinners, picnics, going out to dinner, going even just out to dinner with your spouse is an opportunity to be in that in type of relationship. But eating is also one of the best and easiest ways of practicing an out behavior, of reaching out to people who do not yet know Jesus. So I I guess I would challenge you, out of the 21 times a week you have to eat, can you take one of those times do it with other people that may not be part of your regular rhythms to be intentional about something that you're already doing maybe you have um, kind of an open table one night a week and you get used to just saying hey guess what my wife and i were having um, a big pot of chili on sunday night come on over and if you run out of food you know what who cares pull some saltines out of the pantry or you know no one's going to go hungry but it's the idea of extending an invitation it's not about impressing it's not about a dinner party we're not talking about dinner parties here we're just talking about an open table anybody who wants to come just show up sometime and um and come on over things like that who who likes to have people over for dinner i know there's lots of people here that Teresa just raised her hand Margie raised her hand exactly you know having people over for dinner or even meeting up to have a meal together is one of the absolute easiest ways to connect with people both of the faith and not of the faith so leverage your eating even then to make disciples rhythm number five is bless. I also see this absolutely all over the place in fact I have Names of a lot of you sitting in front of me right now, and you guys are about to get put on the spot not just Jamin and Leslie, but other people as well. So, you we have been blessed to make to be a blessing. How many w- different ways have you been blessed, and then can extend that to others? You have been given things like a home, education, cars, relationships, health, tools, resources, money. Maybe you have an extra home or a cabin in the woods somewhere. Maybe you have a fishing pole. Those are all ways that you have been blessed and that you can bless others. So this is one of the, for um, a lot of my early years in ministry, I thought making disciples looked like um, sitting around a table and reading the Bible. Yes, that is true, it can, and, and it does involve that. Um, but what that meant was that I was trying to put some um, things on certain people to make disciples that maybe they just don't do very naturally. And and I'm going to put two people on the spot right now in particular, Bob Rautzen and Leif Erickson. That's maybe not what you guys do. You don't sit there and leave people in Bible study. But what you do do is go talk to Leif. What what kind of stuff do you do, Leif?
3: Um, I go fishing and I take people
0: boating. He takes people fishing and boating, exactly. Can you walk over to Bob now? These two people love to talk out loud. I'm sorry, guys, right <laughs> now. But w- what do you do, Bob, that um, might be making disciples? Anything?
2: What kind
0: of like fishing or hunting or teaching the them about? I go build things.
2: Like Guatemala, I've been there 700 times.
0: Oh, that's the official missionary answer. I want the everyday stuff. What do you love to do, Bob?
1: Everyday
0: Yes, exactly. I'm even thinking about things as simple as sharing your garden. About taking, Mike, will you tell us what Bob has done for you over the years, please?
2: Well, uh, I'd say that my first official story with Bob was when Abra and I were looking for our house and I asked him to come check it out. Um, Bob and my father have very similar personalities. and So when he went through my house and uh, got done, looked at it all, kind of my home inspector, and then he, uh, he, I looked at him, so what do you think, Bob? And he said, well, I wouldn't buy it. And I said, well, what's that mean? He goes, well, the house is great, but there shouldn't be vinyl siding on any house in Wyoming, so there'd be a silly purchase. So we laughed. We bought the house anyway. And over the years, I've lawnmowers and tractors and Bob's helped us out infinitely in all kinds of ways.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Things like that. You have been blessed to be a blessing to others. If you know how to fish and you have a boat, take someone fishing with you. If you know about cars, teach them about cars. Things like that. They're so simple. I was thinking about. Um, Melissa Ford, our children's minister, man, she is so good about using everything she has to bless others. She's the first one to offer to watch my kid for me if I'm in a bind. That's another way. Maybe you can bless a um, single mom or even a non single mom who needs childcare. Maybe you can exchange childcare. That's a way of blessing, it's a way of developing a relationship for the sake of making disciples and encouraging those around you that already are following God. Can you imagine, here we go again with our imaginations, our holy imagination today, can you imagine how different a neighborhood would be if neighborhoods functioned in this way? If you saw if, if you saw a, an older guy struggling to get his lawn mower going, maybe what you can do is just stop and mow his lawn for him. Those are simple ways we can be a blessing to others. And this is really easy to incorporate with our children, too, to teach your children to be at school. Like, you have been blessed so much, Corbin, so how can you bless someone else at school today? And having those language that language with your kids rhythm number six is resting and playing we rest and we play this is another word or another phrase for what I call Sabbath keeping when we are taking time to rest together to then play together and create things together I'm on my last page we're almost done I promise (laughs) I was just thinking about how we can make disciples by resting and I had to think through that a little bit but I was wondering it it brought up memories of snuggling on the couch with my children when when they were really little especially they don't tolerate it as much now but you know when we're um, when our babies are babies and they're little they're not going to necessarily remember the first three years of their lives, but what they do remember are those feelings of being loved and cared for. And so even cuddling on the couch with a child, what Teresa is doing right now, is that Jane you have? Yeah. Yes. And this is part, this is, I'm just going to put you on the spot now. This is an example of what it means to be the family of God. Maybe she's giving Maggie and Asa a little break right now. And by by snuggling Jane, but boy, I can tell Teresa's eating up those baby snuggles, you know, because but she, as a sister in Christ, is holding that baby girl and teaching her what it means to be held by Jesus. So even those simple things that we do is making disciples. Um. Ashley, would you be willing to share about how you connect with your neighbors very briefly? You have demonstrated over and over to me that it's very, very simple with both fellow believers who are neighbors and fellow unbelievers who are neighbors. How do, what does that look like for you? How do you do it? Just talking to them, getting to know them, trying to find ways to serve them, or I mean, just being a friend. I think we've been in a society where people tend to stay to themselves, and it takes one person to just pull other people out of their shell. And so a lot of times I just try to try to get to know them. That's about it. Yeah, excellent. Good, and since we're on the um, small family, Cole, do you have an example to sh- show us, or tell us about regarding hanging out or talking to or connecting with not-yet-believers?
2: Uh, I love, I mean, Mormon
3: missionaries are kind of like a, you know, they, they do the work for you. They come to your house, they knock on your door, say, do you want to talk, and I'm like, yeah, let's talk. And so, like, I just, like, I'm talking to some this Thursday, and it's um, just a chance to be able to share the true gospel with them and break through some of the break through some of the major misconceptions and even false religions they have. Um, so to be able to yeah tell a true story about Jesus and come right to my door.
0: <laughs> true that. Okay, now I want you all to start nominating people. How have you been blessed? What's an example that you've seen? Or is there someone sitting close to you that has blessed you in some way?
2: Mike
1: to you, Joy. So I'm actually sitting in between two wonderful women,
0: my mother-in-law, who, when I first met Brian and um, living in Alaska, we came down, and her and her family just enveloped me um, from day one, even while we were dating. And Pam has fed my Knowledge of Christ, along with you, Raina, um, so much deeper, and they both have just walked alongside of me um, throughout my entire relationship with them. Awesome. This is over here, Brian. He's coming.
3: So um, we've been blessed. We've, we've been blessed a couple of ways by a lot of folks in this church. Um, most recently, uh, when Ben was born, the way so many people—it's we, we, difficult to even count. We tried to keep a list and then we lost it. Um, that's how big the list was. Um, folks that embraced us and well wishes. Um, specifically, though, uh, Maggie and Asa. Um, you know by chance we happen to be in the same hospital at the same time and the way they embraced us and helped us get through this uh, because they had been there and and just the light that both of them showed us um, would have never happened without people who, who cared so much for us and honestly we knew of maggie and asa but but we didn't know know maggie and asa and the way that they were willing to just give a hand to a couple who was really, really struggling at a time when we were really down, and we were, we were just so blessed by that and by everyone in this church. It, it's been incredible. Yes, wait. Oh.
0: I saw a little hand, but
1: oh, well, I can say something. Um, you yeah, I never lost the words. <laughs> <laughs> um, nice. Oh. I always think that people can hear me because my voice is so loud. But my blessing is a little closer to home. I've been blessed by my husband. Okay, I've gone through some very serious illnesses. Number one, he was always over there, always there with me, supporting me. Number two, he rearranged my house so that it would be easier for me to walk around and just function in my home and um i just i can't thank god enough for that um sometimes he makes jokes okay about some of the things that are going on Um, but i love that because it makes me laugh and go "Eh, this is not a big deal right this is not a big deal i'm still upright you know and i can still function and so my blessing
0: about some of our outward behaviors. How are we connecting with people who don't yet know Christ? Angie, can I send him toward you? Angie wants to talk. (laughs) Or I want Angie to talk. I did ask her permission. She's the one person I asked.
1: after about three years she's actually starting to talk about god a little bit like maybe that seed is kind of planted and it's just super exciting for me. who
0: else has an out encounter they can tell us about Norm,
2: Mike's coming. Hang on. Mm-hmm.
0: Tell Mike and then Mike can repeat it for you.
2: Oh, yeah. I can. was on the reciprocity end of accepting help, okay? We had only moved to Laramie about a year, and I went up there too early in the spring driving an old, oldsmobile with about that much ground clearance, and I, I was trying to get over into the 2 area, and I saw a big snowbank, so I tried so to back off into clear cut and rode stuff off of this huge mud puddle. And I got there all by myself with this mud and no tire trainer. And I started chipping pathways through the gravel roads. There was no water uh, going on. And some guy came along and drove me home. Then, uh, uh, oh, probably not only 10 years ago, I was up there all coming by myself. And um, there was a place up by Dale Park where I was going to see that the snow was drifting through the beach. <laughs> I was really I get, get out there and I out and get house, and got out and got up on a level and the park, and I back in the whole further. So I'd been about five hours shoveling, digging, and ditching trying to the park, and get the up out some guys came by with some chains and pulled me out. And, oh
0: so norm is telling us i'm going to tell everyone else now norm just shared stories about how he has been blessed i think by other people and um being out hunting in the wilderness by himself and getting stuck in places and how just pulling over and helping other people on the side of the road is an encounter that can be leveraged for the sake of christ and so A quote that I have recently heard and that I've been thinking on and continuing to think on and that I want to throw out there for you guys too is that the kingdom of God expands at the speed of relationships the kingdom of God expands at the speed of relationships and so all of these stories that we're sharing is not because just Rescuing someone off the side of the road is necessarily making disciples, but what it is is it's an opportunity to build relationships. And our, our eating and our celebrating and all of those rhythms that we have, whether that's watching a movie with neighbors in the backyard or taking someone fishing or going hiking or whatever it might be, those are opportunities that build relationships. And when we do those kind of things, they give us the potential to expand, to be partners with the Lord in expanding his rule, his ways. I just finished a book called Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus. And it's the story of a Muslim who became a Christian, basically. But something that he said really struck me, and I wanted to share that with you. His his name is Nabil Qureshi. And... He said that many Christians think of making disciples as foisting Christian beliefs on strangers in chance encounters. The problem with this approach is that the gospel requires a radical life change, and not many people are about to listen to strangers telling them to change the way they live. What do they know about others' lives? On the other hand, if a true friend shares the exact same message with heartfelt sincerity, speaking to a specific circumstance and struggles, then the message is heard loud and clear. In my case, he says, I knew of no Christian who truly cared about me, no one who had been part of my life. Since no Christian cared about me, I did not care about their message. When we're living in these rhythms, and we're leveraging them for the sake of disciple-making, people will hear good news from you and they will see it in your life it's so easy for us though to pick the path of least resistance to just focus on those for me is the solitude i can sit for days in a park with the lord and spend time in prayer spend time with holy reading as opposed to fictional reading and i can just be by myself with the lord and um, study the bible and be all about him but what that means is that I'm neglecting the connections. I'm connecting the relationships. I'm neglecting connecting with people outside of the redeemed family of God. Um, Mike has taught me a lot about doing things like going to the gym and doing book club, for example, in order to connect with other people. And it's not like they're a project. I love reading and so doing book club is something that very naturally comes to me. And being in the gym, now that I am trying, I'm not just in my own little bubble. I've made relationships at the gym. And two people in particular, two of my closest, dearest friends now that I've met through the gym, and they are not yet believers. And so it's just a matter of leveraging the things that you're already doing for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of relationship. Right now, We can't rely on the church to provide every single opportunity for people to come to know about Jesus or to hear about Jesus. There is a verse, I believe it's in Ephesians, it says, Awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead. And I think we are in a time where we need to wake up a little bit, where we need to wake up and rely on Christ in us to be about the world, to be in the world, to be engaged with the world, to build relationships with people in the world. Our everyday lives as people of God are the mission field. We are told to go, we are sent in order to make disciples. So I want you to think about a few things. Let's think about our rhythms and our patterns that are upward. How are you doing at living upward and deeply by connecting to God's heart and your identity? I want you to try to take some of these questions home with you, not just right in this moment, right here and when you get home. Let's think about our inward habits. Are you living in community, reminding others of their identity, helping them connect to God, moving one step closer to Christ, living more like a family? Let's not just be friends who sit next to each other one time a week in our little holy huddles. The gospel causes us to be more aware of those who aren't with us. So are you developing natural rhythms of a healthy family life. Are we developing natural rhythms of a healthy family life? I don't know about you, but I don't just want to sit with my husband and my son and my son on the row of the couch and twiddle our thumbs all the time. Not that we're all twiddling our thumbs. We're doing more than twiddling our thumbs by being here together. But are we developing those natural rhythms of being a family together? Are we eating together? Are we celebrating together? Are we serving together? Kirk, I remember when you first met Nick and Brooklyn Smith, who, they weren't married yet, but what you did is you went up to them, you said, hey, I have a three by five card here, how can I be praying for you? That was taking the family life to the next level. And that was was one of the first encounters that Nick and Brooklyn had with our congregation, and then developed into a really sweet, sweet relationship. And then think about your outward habits. How am I doing it being intentional outwardly? Because we're missionaries, we're always noticing people. What are some ways you can serve others and build new outside relationships? Think about those things as we go home today. Right now, we're going to move into a time of communion. I don't follow. <laughs> these these rocks are a little in wires. And so, I want us today to think about communion as a time of celebration. Let's celebrate together God's extravagant generosity together as a community. And then let's think as we do it about who we're going to invite to the party next time. Who can we show how good 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 our father is. So for does anybody need communion elements still? If you need communion, just raise your hand. We're going to all take the bread together and as we are opening the top flap on our communion cup. Jesus says, remember me. He says, remember how I have sent you. Remember how the Lord sent me. Remember how my Father sent me to take on our sins. He said, this bread is my body broken for you. Take and eat. Now you may eat. And in the same way, as you open the juice section... He says, remember that this juice is my blood. It's the blood of a new covenant that I created so that you could live in a way that you could walk in freedom in me, knowing that you are loved and that you are free to teach others that they are loved as well. So remember how Jesus' blood flowed on the cross for you as you drink. And we give God, the praise and glory as we do remember what He did for us on the cross. We pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you are to us. And Lord, it's because of your death on the cross, the forgiveness of our sins, the freedom that we have to expect life with you forevermore, that we eat this bread and drink this cup. I do pray that you would encourage us to be noticers, that we would be connected with you in every upward way that you call us to. And that, Lord, you would help us to be intentional about the way we're eating and celebrating and listening and serving and blessing others, both our redeemed brothers and sisters and our unredeemed brothers and sisters. Lord, that we can continue to be image bearers of you in everything that we do. We lift our lives up to you. Help us to be living sacrifices in a way that communicates your love to the world. Thank you so much for your love through your son, Jesus. Amen.